Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. This is What Do You Know About That? A radio show about anything and everything happening in our community, our city, and our world. Here are your hosts, Eric Gershnow and Mary Angela Saavedra. All right, everybody. Welcome to What Do You Know About That? We are in the throes of the holiday season. It is two days away from Christmas. Can't be more excited. How about yourself, Mary Angela? How are you feeling? I'm doing good. Thanks, Eric. Uh, yeah, boy, December 23rd. How did we get here? Well, <laughs> it, it, I, I think we felt it coming pretty fast. I know I felt it coming fast. Yeah. It's already New Year's for me. <laughs> no, no, don't rush it. We got a, I know, got a couple days left of 2021. Let's enjoy it while we got it. And hopefully many of our listeners out there have some unexercised vacation that they're just waiting to just get into relaxation mode, perhaps visit some family, do something exciting, fun to distract from just the day-to-day hum. So... Yes, absolutely. Well, um, happy holidays, however you celebrate everybody. I hope you're having a great holiday season. I hope you're not running around last minute Christmas shopping, which you might be. And if you are, I'm glad that you're tuning in to listen to us right now. So thanks for joining us today. Eric, uh, what do you want to talk about today? Well, you know, usually I defer to you when we're rapping about things going on in the neighborhood, but there's a number of things that have popped on my radar recently that I thought were like, oh, wow, I got to pin those. Uh, One of which was an article from WHYY that uh, it's titled, Playing Loud Music Could Soon Cost You a Ticket in Philly. So this is Philly's approach to cracking down on loud motorists. Oh, so like music in your car, not just like music in your house. Yeah. So, and here's a quote from the bill. It says, no person could, in quotations, create cause or permit the creation of sound emanating from a motor vehicle at a level of five decibels above background level measured from a distance of 25 or more feet. So it's Viewed, uh, you know, again, you're talking about folks who are cranking music loud, which I mean, you definitely get that in this neighborhood for sure. You'll you'll get occasionally someone driving by and you're like, that's really loud. I feel that. (laughs) But there's some argument in this article because one of the downsides could be what if, say, your car is in disrepair such that maybe your muffler got damaged and now you're making a lot of noise in your vehicle and you you can't afford to fix it. So is the bill for like you're playing music or just your car is loud? Like that seems unclear to me. So Well, it's it says it's very general. It says sound emanating from a motor vehicle. So that could be Ooh. a loud motor. Yeah. You know, if your pipe's broken right at the uh, the motor, it's it's going to be really loud. I've had it happen, happen to my car before. It's not pleasant. It's awkward to drive, but again, it kind of marginalizes those kind of folks. It, you know, imagine you can't afford to fix your car, and then on top of that, you get slapped with a ticket now because your car is loud. So do you think this is one of those things, like, to add on to make the ticket more money. So you know how like sometimes you can get like pulled over for like you didn't stop long enough at a stop sign or the light turned red from yellow and you went through the intersection and you get pulled over for that. 
but then your car is also loud. So the cop's like, not only am I giving you a ticket for pulling through that light, but I'm also giving you a ticket because your car is too loud. And also, how do you tell the decibels? Like, are cops not going to be issued like meters? Like, that's kind of what decibels? it's saying here from what I read in the article. But, you know, first of all, I guess it depends on whether you're turning right or going straight through an intersection if you're going on a red. <laughs> if you're going straight on a red, no cop's going to bother you. But if you turn on a red, especially if there's a no turn on red sign, the cop's just going to jump out on you. So, yeah, it, it very well could happen. Right. But so my point is, if you were driving by and you had a loud muffler or your car was making too much noise... Would you get pulled over for it? Or is this one of those laws that's in place to just make the ticket worth more money when they do stop you for something else? Like, you know, because they can layer on a lot of things. Oh, you're not wearing a seatbelt. Oh, you didn't have, you know, like. Well, yeah. And to that point, I guess you have to be careful about profiling. Like you, yeah. you end up targeting certain people. Yeah, this seems, so has it passed? Is this like a law now or this is like proposed still? So the city and parking authority are working on how to implement the regulations if they are approved. Well, okay, so if they are approved. Oh, so it's not approved Which wouldn't happen until sometime next year. So we're talking 2022. So there's still time to like fight this or speak up about it or be like, hey, this isn't cool. I don't know how these things get passed. Would this be one of those things that would be on my ballot in May that I'd get to vote about? I don't know. Because if it was, then that's a good way to use your vote, everybody. That's right. Well, I guess it just depends on, you know, what public officials are backing. Yeah. This might be, you know, a hot topic. So there's that. And then there's also the, um, have you heard about the development or there's there's the property that sits right across from Toto's Pizza? That's. Yes. This that, just came up in my feed too. Tell us about this. Oh, well. You've read some of the article, right? This is the old Joe Mart. Yep. And this had been, I really loved that grocery store, by the way. It was great. But they shut down. And they've been shut down for a number of years. So now there's a developer looking to move in. but And, and it seems like the intention is to establish apartment complexes, right? That's That seems to be very present in this neighborhood. Like developers are attracted to this neighborhood and are trying to expand, maximize on occupancy to make money. Okay. But right behind there is the McCallum and its neighbor. So there's two big buildings, apartment complex buildings already right there, which means using that corner, which is already, by the way, a congested corner, right? It's narrow. People have to turn there and go around. It's already dangerous to maneuver through that already. And now you're going to have an apartment complex there. You're going to add more traffic. Also, there's some big, gorgeous, super old trees right there because there's rows of homes that that are up behind it. So if they take that piece of property, they'll be blocking those homes' views, first of all. No sun will get to them. They'll have to tear down a lot of those trees. And then, what, those apartments are overlooking Pelham Pharmacy and the dollar store and Toto's Pizzeria and the daycare center that's right there? Like, that just does seem like a bad idea. And that is what a lot of people I'm hearing about are, are really upset about. They wanted it to be, you know, retail or something useful for the community. And exactly. while places to live are definitely useful, I'm not saying the places to live are not useful, but you know it's not going to be something that's like economical. It's going to be something that's probably more expensive than it's worth and congested. And again, the McCallum, and I can't remember, what's the name of the building that's next to the McCallum? Uh, 
I yeah. should know this. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know either. But the McCallum is the big, big one. And then there's a smaller building like right next to it. But yep. either way, there are plenty of apartments right there. <laughs> like, do we need another apartment building right there? Well, there are a number of um, neighborhood groups that are worried because the developers, there have been intentions to, I think, have some discussion face to face. And they've been stonewalled like they've had appointments canceled on them and it's it seemed to be escalated to a degree where you know, chris robb mm-hmm. has been very outspoken about this at least what's being captured in the article here i'm sure a lot of our listeners have read this already but they're pending some you know further engagement here but there's definitely a lot of buzz about this and i naturally so yeah i'll be paying attention um yeah it's come up a few times in a couple different places that I frequent, a few Facebook groups and the Nextdoor app. So yeah. Well, I think the way with the zoning works with the space, they would be able to build a unit without having to have parking. That's the way it reads to me. I could be wrong. Well, there is definitely no parking over there. I mean, there is no parking. You'd have to build it on site. Yeah. But to to pile on stories like what they talk about here, it's just it's it's just not the the space to do it, I don't think. Yeah. It would be an eyesore, I think, in the neighborhood. Yeah. And you know what? Considering there's so many other residencies that are in disrepair that could stand to have someone come in and, and rescue them, I, I just know it takes a lot of money and, and energy to do that. You know, it's about payout. Yeah. But those are some of the big ones that, yeah, flown in on the radar just within the past, you know, few weeks here. It's like, whoa, but that topic's never going to go away. (laughs) No, it's not. There'll always be interesting arguments over what developers want to do in different areas, for sure. In this neighborhood, yes, for sure. Uh, Another thing that hit really close to home here in Germantown uh, was... Last week, actually, um, or actually maybe two weeks ago from now, (laughs) it was, I guess, December 8th. Uh, Many people here in the neighborhood were woken up uh, very early, 630 in the morning, by a pretty extreme amber alert. Uh, I thought it was like a weather warning. I thought like, oh, no, like, I don't know, flood warning or big storm coming or something. But no, it was an amber alert. It's been a while since I've gotten one. And when I grabbed my phone half asleep to see kind of what was going on, It was a real surprising situation to me because it happened so close to home here in the neighborhood, uh, but also sort of what happened. So um, the situation was that a a woman stopped uh, with her daughter at uh, Giovanni's, the pizza place right on Green and Maplewood. You know where that is right down there? Yeah, right right by G-Town Radio. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Pulled right over. Just, you know, left her car running and ran in just to grab her pizza at like nine o'clock at night and left her daughter in the car. Uh, we think the daughter was sleeping. That's what the articles I've seen said. that She might have been asleep and it was cold. I don't know if you remember, but Tuesday, December 8th was like one of those nights. It was down below freezing. So it got cold pretty quick. And the mom just ran in to grab her pizza and come on out. And as soon as she returned, her car was gone. So someone jumped in the car and took off, Man, stole the car. That. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. My wonder was why it took till six in the morning for the Amber Alert. Um, Because this apparently happened at like nine o'clock at night. I can't even imagine how frantic this poor woman was. But by the time I started doing the searching after the Amber Alert went out, I found a bunch of posts on both um, the Germantown Facebook groups as well as Nextdoor. And what I was so basically mortified by was how harsh people were being to this mom 
And they were like, what did you expect? You pulled over and you went into the store. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I live in this neighborhood as well. I don't expect to ha- to run into a store for two seconds and, you know, leave the heat on for my daughter in the car and have somebody get in my car and steal it while I'm literally, because I don't know if you've seen how close the front door is to the street at Giovanni's, but it's right there. I mean, we're talking like six feet away. It's not like she left the car down the block. She literally pulled in front of the front door. And went right and could see her car the whole time. Like, you know, and they were just they were really awful to her. And finally, somebody popped up and said, you know, hey, okay, like we get it. She, you know, some lessons were learned here and it's a sad, hard lesson that she had to learn. But it's also like, can we have some empathy for this woman who was probably exhausted and tired, maybe a single mom? We don't know. Just wanted to get some food for her daughter. Didn't want to have to like wake her up, pull her out of the car in the freezing to go get a pizza to put her back in the car to get home. You know what I mean? In the neighborhood that you live in, in the neighborhood that's yours. Well, I will say this. You know, if anything, it's telling that we do live in the city. And and the truth is, we lived not too far from here on a street where you had to really pay attention to make sure your car doors were locked because people would just, you know, casually walk by and check the handles. Sure. And, and you know, I'm sure... So there's no one sitting in the in the passenger seat. That's the other thing. I think someone probably saw, probably didn't even see the kid, right? Yeah, that's what that's didn't what even see thinking. the kid. Didn't know. Just, just saw. Here's a car that's that's running, and then nobody in it. No one sitting in the front seat, passenger seat, nothing. I'm gonna take this car. I could see that. Yeah, they, but they, I don't think it's worth beating the mom up about. Exactly. Like you don't think she's beating herself up enough. Well, like, yeah, you don't think of course. She feels bad enough, and she's panicked because her daughter is you know, in a car that was stolen. Fortunately, this story has a happy ending. They did find the car in the morning shortly after, it was around eight o'clock after the Amber Alert was issued. The car had been um, abandoned right across the street from the North Philadelphia precinct. So um, next to checkers. So they're thinking that most likely what happened was they realized there was a kid in the car and were like, oh no, like this is way more trouble than we were yep, trying yep. to get into. Of course. And they were like, where can we put this where somebody will find it right away? So they went and parked it next to a police station and took off. Uh, the little girl was inside and she was fine, completely unharmed. When they found her in the morning, she was asleep um, in the car. And luckily, while it was cold, it wasn't cold enough. Um, she, I guess, was dressed appropriately, but she didn't have any hypothermia and she wasn't. Oh, that's you know, good. Yeah. So she was perfectly fine. Man. And they, you know, she, she confirmed she was like six years old. She confirmed that, that nothing happened. They didn't hurt her. They just left her there. I mean, yeah, it could have been much worse. It could have. So thank God it was not. But the same thing is that, you know, again, even when all these details came out, there were still some real serious haters online. And I have to say this, like, you know, I, I like the neighborhood groups because it's important to know what's going on in your neighborhood. It's important to support our neighbors and, you know, to tell important information. It is important to remember we live in the city. Criminals are opportunists. Like you said, they saw a car running and nobody in the passenger seat or the driver's seat. And they're like, I'm taking this car. So don't give criminals an opportunity. But also when something happens awful to a neighbor, don't be awful to your neighbor. Love thy neighbor. It really should have been of like, what can we do to help? I mean, the neighborhood did rally. Like a lot of the posts were like, we're all looking, we're all praying, we're all keeping our eyes open. We knew exactly what it was. The car, it was a Saturn. It was maroon. Like we knew all all those informa- all that information mm-hmm. and we were all you know together looking but then there was these you know handful of people and i wish i could say it was like one lone wolf but it wasn't it was 
it was multiple people being like, you should have known better. You got what's coming to you. Like, you know, hope she's going to be okay, but you well, were stupid. And it's like, I mean, my gosh, who does the that The internet help? is the perfect place for trolls. I mean, that's just, that's just reality. No, but I agree. It's unfortunate. But, 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 it, but yeah, no, it just, it, it infuriated me. But I am very glad that this situation had a happy ending. So. Sure. Um, I guess what I'm just saying is, please, you know, if you're on the neighborhood groups, show some compassion. Yeah. And just let's support each other. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's why those groups exist. Not to hate on each other. Let's let's stop the hate in 2022. Let's stop the hate. I'm over it. Over it. All right. That's my that's my soapbox. I'm off it now. Okay. (laughs) What's our topic this week? (laughs) Well, before I get into our main topic for discussion, I did want to bring up Our G-Town Fun Drive. Oh, yeah. Very important, ladies and gentlemen. This is a community radio station, completely volunteer. So money that we raise as part of the Fun Drive goes to pay for licensing, maintaining the antenna, other equipment within the studio, the space on Maplewood Mall. So please, we need your help to meet our budget for... 2022? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that year that's coming next? That yes. year that's coming <laughs> so fast. Please. Yes. We, we could definitely use the support. G-Town is such a great community radio station. We have really enjoyed our time here so far, and we're very happy to be a part of the family. So every little bit helps. If you can support us, you can find our fundraiser on Facebook, and you can donate there. You can also donate at gtownradio.com. Uh, you could uh, email us and I can send you a link if you're not that tech savvy, but can send an email. <laughs> Our email address is whatdoyouknowgtown at gmail.com. Please, please, please consider supporting. You've got a couple weeks left in 2021 to help us get to that goal. I have to say it was really nice. G-Town Radio had set up a little table right outside of Attic Brewery. This was back in, what, November? Mm-hmm. No, early December. Early December. And it was it was fabulous. They had music cranking, all kinds of stuff that you're not going to hear on your regular radio station. So, and again, this is commercial-free radio. With that said, then, let's jump into our main topic. Before I mention it, I guess, I have to preface it with a story. So, I was at the American Guitar Show. I think it's so funny. They call it the American Guitar Show. This is out like in Phoenixville, I think, in PA. This was back in October. Anyway, I ended up going out with our good friend, Matt Spitko, who was a guest on our second episode of What Do You Know About That? And he's telling me about this podcast that he's really into. It's the Tim Ferriss Show, which the guy's got like almost 600 episodes. And I'm getting to it. It's episode 543. He's talking about the future of the internet and specifically NFTs or non-fungible tokens. So have you heard anything about this? Do you know anything about non-fungible tokens, NFTs? Well, so a little bit. I've seen some memes. I've seen some you know, comments here and there. I don't fully understand all of it, but isn't it like you know, fake money. I don't know. I don't really fake money. It kind of. So it's, it's interesting because it ties in a couple different themes that I wanted to talk about. So the big thing is internet 3.0. We're currently in 
Internet 2.0. If you consider 1.0, that was when the Internet first was conceived. There, there wasn't Google. There wasn't Facebook. You didn't have these massive institutions within the internet like you do now. So now we have like the Walmarts and the targets of the internet. Right. Uh, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, everyone's heavily marketed to, and you can only access content through these websites, through these venues that host the content. Some are a little bit more open than others. Some you have to pay for to get a subscription through, say, to get non-commercial content. But internet 3.0 would be something that's a little more, say, universal, more accessible for the average Joe, kind of, so that if you think about the way Facebook operates as it's as a platform for many folks to have a voice, each individual essentially would have their own platform equivalent to Facebook, and then everything's captured in this blockchain, which is just the code. And NFTs, really, to understand it, you have to consider what is currency. So fungible tokens like dollar bills, right? They're interchangeable. One dollar is equivalent to a, a you know, um, a, a, one printed dollar is the same value as another printed dollar, even if it's torn up versus whether it's brand new. So non-fungible is different. It's kind of like art or something that's collectible. So the value of it fluctuates almost like stock in a company. So it's like if you own an NFT, then the value is sort of dictated by the desire of that. And part of that ties in with this concept of composability. And they talk about this in this podcast, and it really like struck a major chord with me. Composability. What do I mean by that? Consider, okay, Led Zeppelin's anniversary for their the one album that came out it was like 50 year anniversary it happened just a few months ago and they talk about that song when the levee breaks which has that unmistakable drum beat by John Bonham that like you hear in the Beastie Boys that yeah cut boom to boom cut yeah it's been sampled so many times i mean like James Brown too but it's specifically this Led Zeppelin example like struck me cuz this is just like 50 year anniversary just a few months ago but that's been used in so many other different songs, it's composable. You can take it and combine it with something else and make something bigger. And if you created that, again, like the drum loop, you you have some ownership of the intellectual property behind that to a degree. Now, with non-fungible tokens, it's it's a little different. So like, say, you have a piece of digital art on the web, and I've even seen artists, musical artists, start to do this in order to build uh, money, basically a base to help drive their music. So think about this. If I'm an artist, I create an NFT. You purchase that NFT. It's a piece, a piece of digital art. Now, you think to yourself, oh, how useful is a piece of digital art compared to, say, a painting I could hang on the wall? Well, if you're like up and coming generations, you're spending more and more time on the internet. You're more engaged on the internet. You have more users that operate through that digital avenue. Think of what was that Spielberg movie that was a, it was a book that Spielberg turned into a movie. Ready, Ready Player, Player One. One. Yeah. yeah. The whole virtual reality thing. Like most people are spending their time. Imagine in the future, most people are going to be spending their time on the computer or in some 
virtual reality. Well, especially now that Meta is basically trying to make the Oasis a real thing. So, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So a non-fungible token in the digital world, it would be like having a collectible piece of art in the real world. So users then would dictate the value of that token and say, if that artist became really famous and you have a piece of art that a token, an NFT that was created by that artist or for that artist, it's connected to that artist. Say if that artist dies, right? They're never going to make any more under that artist name. And even though that token said the image of it, you don't own the copyright of it because people could use the image of it kind of like the Mona Lisa, right? Mona Lisa's everywhere, but the original sits in- It's in the Louvre. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I was at the Louvre and I didn't get to see the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Anyway, where was I going with this? So you don't own the copyright to it, but if you wanted to at some point sell it, you can make a ton of money. It's it's like stock so that you buy that NFT, you're investing in that artist. And then as that artist becomes more popular because you're directly investing in them. So it's a way to kind of cut out these larger corporations, if you will. I think that was kind of part, part of the intent, but it was just an interesting concept and something I kind of wanted to throw out there and See what you I like it conceptually. Like like the idea, the way you explain it, where I'm like, that seems cool. But I mean, as a person, I I want things that are tangible. Well, like 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 <laughs> yes. I like I understand that in the future we're going to be spending more time on the internet. We already are. And as I, you know, mentioned a moment ago, you know, Meta is working on making virtual reality a thing where you go to go to school and do all the stuff that you do there, like in Ready Player One. But that doesn't have appeal to me. And it might be my age, honestly. So it might be like the younger generation that is very much into that. And us, you know, Gen Xers are like, no, thank you. Uh, please, right. Please give what? me real art, real art that I can touch, real art that I can hang on my wall. We're officially old school. That's what we are. Yeah. And I, I guess to me, something like that seems a lot less stable like like i feel like it would be riskier to invest that way because it's not something tangible that i'm touching and holding well yeah but the idea is that's secure because it's in the blockchain and you know truth be told i am not a expert at all but it just the concept of it's really cool We'd love to hear from some listeners, honestly, anyone who knows more about this topic, especially young folks who are probably more into um, some of this stuff online. I'm really dating myself. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I would would love to hear from people. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. Um, Conceptually, I agree. It's a a cool concept. To me, it just seems risky. It would be like saying, I'm going to buy a virtual diamond. And then you telling me that that virtual diamond is worth something. And I'm like, but I, I don't, I don't have the diamond. I have. Well, I think the idea is like with Bitcoin, you can tra- like convert that into fungible tokens, meaning translate that into actual currency. So there is a way to make money to, to actually purchase things in the real world for yourself. That's the idea. So Again, think of it like stock. So stock isn't a tangible thing, right? I mean, I guess if anything, it would be a piece of paper with your name on it. But most things are digital now today anyway. So 
it's it's not something that you physically possess, but you can cash it in. So I'm then... buying stock basically in an artist. I'm buying this piece of digital art that is basically investing, buying stock in an artist. And then that artist becomes the next Keith Haring. And I go, hey, cool. I own some of Keith Haring. And now I'm going to basically. Sell it. Okay. And again, the value of it fluctuates. It's all dependent on those who appreciate that artist. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would like to know more about this. I, I would like to know more about this from people who, you know, think it's a good idea, think it's a bad idea <laughs> that can can enlighten us. So you can either message us on Facebook or Instagram at all one word. What do you know about that? Or you can email us at what do you know, gtown at gmail.com. Please weigh in on non fungible tokens. Is that what they're called? Non-fungible tokens. Let's talk about NFTs. Well, I look forward to finding out more about this and maybe I'll do some searching and pay more attention next time I see a meme about an NFT. You want to take a break and then talk to our musical guest? I think that's what we should do. Awesome. We'll be right back right after this. Hi there. We're taking 60 seconds of programming to tell you about our quiet year and fun drive. Money raised goes directly to our daily operating expenses, which include rent on the studio and antenna site, music licensing fees, and studio equipment so that we can uphold our commitment to provide locally produced, non-commercial radio to Northwest Philadelphia. We do not belong to an existing public radio network, nor are we associated with an educational institution. We are entirely volunteer-staffed by your neighbors, donating their time and talents to provide a voice for Northwest Philadelphia. This is a community project, and we need your help to continue providing grassroots, independent radio in your neighborhood. So don't wait. Visit gtownradio.com and click on the donate link today. We thank you for your support. You're listening to 92.9 FM G-Town Radio. All right. It is time now for our Who Are the Musicians in Your Neighborhood segment. And we are joined today by EJ Simpson. Hello, EJ. Bonsoir, y'all. Hello. (laughs) Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit something about yourself, like you know, where you're from, how long you've been here, what do you play? We want to know about you. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. First of all, on the radio, EJ Simpson here. Let's see. I've been. Uh, I was conceived and born back when the Beatles were working on their White Album, so that goes way back. And I've been playing music much of that time, mostly in the Philadelphia area. I was in San Francisco for a while. I was in a tour van and X marks the spot for a while. And then playing music in the Philadelphia area and uh, concentrating on some CDs, records, recordings, of which the third one is uh, ready to give birth, finally. Nice. How long have you been working on it? Well, it's been some years there, Mary Angela, so... uh, I don't like. I don't want to spend three or four years on a record ever again. <laughs> so, I, like I said, like gotcha. I'm ready to give birth to this thing. 
Um, yeah, gestation for four or five years is that's it's a long time to carry. Yeah, it's had some starts and some stops and some things, but uh, it's cool. Every time I would re-listen to it after weeks or whatever off, I'd be like, "All right, this is cool," and then you know, we would resume. So there's a light at the end of the resuming tunnel. So, just to give the listeners a little background, I've we've played together on a number of gigs. Indeed. I've had the pleasure of of playing with you and do some of your original stuff, which is really really fun and unique. I would say, from my own personal experience, probably compared to most other artists that I've performed or seen live in Philly, you I would say are probably in the category of not just musician, but all-around entertainer. Absolutely. I was going to say, I, I haven't played with you, but I have enjoyed watching you We've done several times. <laughs> We've done yes. some things, some get-downs on stages, and yes. had some pretty good, creative, sparkly times. Yeah. So you've done something pretty consistently for a while. Granted, you know, there's, whoops, pandemic. But prior to that, you had a standing gig at a church in South Philadelphia doing a one-man show of Jesus Christ Superstar. This is true. Uh, I got the fancy idea about 15 years ago. This will be number 16 in 2022, uh, assuming all goes, inshallah, and all goes uh, on. And it was a transition time. It was was relationship this, and it was band that, and stuff was happening. And I just kind of, I don't know, I think, oh, I know, I was visiting my sister in New Mexico, and she was cranking it to 11, Jesus Christ Superstar, Mm because we grew up listening to it, and she's a huge fan. And I just like, in the back, I was like, I am going to learn this whole thing and do it once. And just to sink my teeth in, to get my mind off of my mind for that period of time. And uh, and then I did it a second year, and then I did it a third year, and it's gotten more and more grandiose. And I played it as far as Anchorage, and I played it in Venice, California, and I played it in upstate New York, and I played it in Sarasota. But most recently, I've been uh, playing it um, annually at the beautiful historic church slash venue in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The old Swedes church. Yes. Yeah, it's quite a beautiful church, very historic. Your setup is pretty grandiose. You've got, it literally looks like a, a Christmas tree that's decorated with all kinds of stringed musical instruments. Yeah, it's like the tree, the guitar tree where I teach lessons, the, the guitar store. I got one of them. And uh, so I go through the, the songs and I play uh, whatever instruments I can get my, my hands on. Within the string genre, so I'll play the overture on the bass, and I'll I'll use a loop pedal tastefully, and then play <laughs> some ukulele, mm-hmm. and then play all the songs, and have some fun with that great piece of music. That's yeah, awesome. and I think the occasion I saw you, um, our good friend Tuba Dan jumped up to join you on a, a particular tune. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but it was like a, a wonderful surprise. Well, Tuba Dan's a fabulous musician and a friend of mine, and. Um, uh, he's going to be scoring the horns for this latest thing I'm doing. There's a Mark Twain piece for a short book that he wrote in 1915, and he said he said publish it after I'm dead, so, supposedly. And uh, I started reading it thanks to my mom. My mom was reading it a lot in 2001 when stuff was happening. Can I say <laughs> was happening? No, stuff was happening <laughs> uh, in the world, and she was passing out copies of the War Prayer for all kinds of reasons. Uh, but she had actually discovered it way, way years before that. I didn't realize this for years. Anyway, I've set about setting it to music. Um, hopefully that, that will see the light of day in 2022 too, because that has been gestating for some time as well. Yes. Tuba Dan will be my collaborator. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, I look forward to that. 
So you've had a number of albums out already. How far back does the first one date? If if I were to look up the E.J. Simpson discography here. Oh, uh, what would there be anything there? Well, um, uh, qu- let's see a quick synopsis. I was in Johnny's Problem. It was kind of an indie trio, blues trio in San Francisco. And then I kind of fell into The Goats, hip-hop band The Goats, uh, which was on the label um, at the time of Cypress Hill and the Fugees and Criss Cross and uh, Lauren Hill, some of the those people. And yeah. we had uh, quite a ride and quite a run. Uh, live hip-hop, n- not dissimilar to that of The Roots, but The Goats. So check out The Goats and all that happened. Then I started playing more music with Pierce, an old friend, and Maggie, and we called Maggie Pierce and EJ, and we were this folk rock trio, and we drove all over the planet for 10 years, totally indie folk rock trio, making nine CDs. So then, uh, as this evolves, I started making uh, albums as the You Purple Virgin, which is sort of the nickname of my purple five-string bass. And so this is the third one, which I'm about to give birth to in 2022. Uh, this will be the third one. So the first one is, it's been a decade or so. Mm-hmm. So there's, that's not quite a, it's not a very speedy clip, but this will be the third one as you purple virgin, um, kind of since I've settled back in the hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Nice. And, and I've, I think we've played a number of tunes of your original stuff off that album, the Purple Virgin album. Yeah, off of all three of them, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this will be number three. I have to think of a snappy title, <laughs> picture and all that stuff. It'll come to you. Yeah, well. So um, tell us a little bit about, uh, I always ask this question of our musical guests, what is your favorite thing about being a musician in Philadelphia in this music scene here? I mean, you've clearly been everywhere, so you've played in a lot of places. But what is it about the Philly music scene that you like best? Let's see. Philly does seem pretty open-minded and, like, genre-free, you know? You're, you're going to find all kinds of different things on local shows and on, at local shows. And uh, I don't know. It seems a willingness to people to kind of collaborate. You say, hey, I want a, a little flavor of this, or I like what you do. And... uh can you, um, you know, can we spend some time making some sounds together, you know? And it's not like, uh, well, this is a town that's famous for this sound or that sound. I mean, Philly does have a lot of reputation behind it, you know, but I think uh, what I'm discovering is uh, a nice um, open book kind of um, let's uh, mix it all together and see how the cookies taste kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in addition to doing music, you also have spilled over into other creative outlets being on stage for live theater right well yes i did do some live theater thanks to my friend (laughs) eric gershenow and others uh the hedwig yeah yeah so tell us about hedwig um i yeah i did a, a run of hedwig and the angry inch and i was not very familiar with it but i passed the audition and we had about 30 shows in a month and uh, it was really fun. That was really fun and different for me to leave your gear set up, to have one show or two shows a night, to do the same thing every night. You know, that was different for me. I know people do that all the time. And so that was super cool. And then with Mary Angela, we, we uh, did some cool creative reinterpretations of the Shel Silverstein stuff. And that was live on stage. And, um, you know, there's no edits. It's not like, the recording process can be um, sculpted into perfection or whatever you want. 
uh, but you're just live in front of people, which is kind of fun. Yeah, super fun. That's the advantage of of live seeing seeing performances live and that's what i love i love that you don't know what you're gonna get there might be something a string might break oh, yeah. and that person has to figure out what to do to keep the show going oh, right wow. it's like the fuse is lit right yeah and it ain't stopping not it's not bad there's not going to be an explosion here but like <laughs> here we go or yeah or the the lead singer happens to angle the mic right into um you know where the sound's coming out from the stage and you start getting massive feedback yep. and then you have to quick dial that back before everyone you know goes deaf from that's you know, why yep. you pay to see things live though i right, mean that's right, that's yeah. the thing that's that's why you're not sitting on your couch watching it that's why right. you're there live the mess you know who knows yeah. what's yeah. gonna you know the adrenaline the, the yep. you know yeah no we had I, I think a good run with hedwig that was it was crazy a little freaky at times but i mean that's just part of the package it's interesting be- that you say that you had never done anything like that because I wouldn't have known that. Just like you looked very comfortable up there and you were part of, I mean, for those of you that don't know, Hedwig, um, the show is written to have a band on stage. I mean, that's basically how the show is is scripted and, and what it was from its beginning. So those, the band is part of the show. People are looking at you just as much as they're looking at the front man, basically Hedwig telling his mm-hmm. story. And yeah, so it's important that you have musicians who are comfortable, musicians who are going to have fun every night, like you said, doing it over and over again at the same time. So I never would have known that that was new for you because you you seemed very in the right place. So. All right. That might have been faking it till you make it school. <laughs> there or who there knows you go. Who knows? It was well, great, though. Just, was just for our listeners' sake, again, I've done a number of gigs with EJ. Usually, EJ will show up, if not with like at least one of three major elements one may include a top hat, probably a, a long jacket with coattails, perhaps, and usually a tower with bells on it, or or a gong. Uh, those those are some of the the at least some of the the main elements I've seen on stage, and you use them quite tastefully. I think there was one entire tune that you just hammered out on 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 bells. You played on bells. Oh yeah, I'm a bellsist. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Belsist. The it, Rainbow Belsist. Yes, you are a Rainbow Belsist. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fun. And I played in a band uh, that, that I played the bells on, and I can only do certain riffs. This is like legacy band from Philadelphia called Baru Review, and they're really fun to play with. And then after about a year, the guitar player shows up at rehearsals and goes, I got you the flats. <laughs> like it was just a C major scale, the white keys on the piano. And then he played, he got the flats. Uh, so he had five extra bells. So now I can play anything on the bell. Right. Wow. <laughs> now the, the bell door is open. The Wide bell door is open. open. <laughs> is that going on the, 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 the new album? There are some bell representation, uh, bells representation on the new album. And the creative uh, mad genius producer, Adrian Harpham, was messing with bell sounds and we, you know, we made it sound like a blender slash dog barking. It was just a really interesting sound. And I, I said, well, could we, let's get a little more bells in there as we were in the mad laboratory of studio land, uh, making the album, which you're about to hear. So, so tell us a little bit about the, what's gone into the production of this album. So you, you mentioned Adrian, you've been working with Adrian. I know he's what, he's up in New York, right? He's half in New York, but he got all married in Philadelphia. So he's half here. So he is married to Philadelphia then? Uh, somewhat married to, but married in Philadelphia. Married in Philadelphia, yeah. so he, okay. He's in Philly much of the time, so that that's very nice. Uh, Adrian and I go way, way back, back, way. Um, so it's great to to just be working with him over the years. And he's got a fabulous little studio. And the the tracking started 
in uh, the year 2018. Yeah, right. At Phil Nicolo's studio for in Kachakin. And we did some live band stuff that you do. And then all the post-production and the overdubs and stuff like that have been with Adrian. And he, uh, at one point he says, now, do you want me to produce this or do you want me to just kind of shine it up? And, you know, I said, oh, no, please do. You know, so he's, so that means creativity and some time. And, he, and you know, that means like studio time. He's like, wait a minute. I have an idea. And then I'll go chasing that for, you know, who knows how long as it takes. And, uh, and maybe he'll change the bell sound, but then we'll say, well, let's bring a little bit of bells back. So, uh, so it's all in there. The big so it's been a, like a 50, 50 kind of collaboration. Much of it has been 50, 50, a few songs. I said, here, you produce these songs. And so he kind of ran with them a little bit more. And that was interesting. Cause I was like, you know, are you attached to these little creations that you wrote? Some of them have been around for years, my songs for years to give them over to you know somebody else to maybe change the key maybe change the instrumentation that you had in mind maybe change the arrangement you know that's been uh, breathe some great. different life into it yeah Absolutely. yeah I, I feel that yeah so you you've you've shared some of these tracks with me already and you know mary angela and i've taken a listen to them and i again having played some of these with you live which i i think just with a small you know bare bones sort of backline essential components it just kind of comes off sort of rock ish but when you listen to the production it like it's all over the place it actually it's i don't want to say beatles-esque but in some ways yeah because you've got some really cool spacey stuff going on between the instrumentation and shifting feels and then blending in vocal harmonies that just it's quite a roller coaster so digging in the best it. way, very much. In the best way, yeah. No, I, I, I really enjoyed listening to it. Oh well, thanks a million and a lot. I think I sent you about half the album. Oh, nice. Three or four tracks, right? Yeah, that's right. I think we're yep. gonna clock in at nine. Maybe we'll get a tenth one in there. But you know, that would be side one for you <laughs> record people out there. <laughs> huh? Do you have an yeah. anticipated release date? Are you like aiming for the winter, the spring? Look for it this summer. Yeah. The spring, spring, buds spring. are popping and the flowers are blooming. Beautiful, and, you know, the sun and returning. Yeah, right. Well, we'll definitely let our listeners know when your CD release party goes up because we'll, yeah, we'll want everybody to come back to that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the track we're going to play? What track yeah. are we going to play? Let's play the one that you commented so nicely on, uh, Eric. Uh, well constructed illusion. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's 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 the one that I thought was like, whoa, because you sent me one already. And then when I listened to the well-constructed illusion, there's just just to prep folks here, there's some there there's a breakdown in the middle of the track and there's some heavy sitar action going on. So it's very, very cool. I think you'll really, really dig it. Well-constructed illusion by EJ Simpson on album title yet to be determined. <laughs> Number three. And uh, to be de- determined. And this song, if you listen closely to the backup vocals and the guitar solo, they start going, Well, Connaloo, Well, Connaloo, which is Well Constructed Illusion, you know, condensed. So that became its little nickname. And that'll okay. be the, uh, the title of the movement in the movie and stuff. <laughs> awesome. All right, here we go. Thank you. 
so finite It feels forever Days flipping by Like a, like a cartoon calendar Time How we feel, we feel it Ancient no time Coming
Okay, we're jumping back in here. Again, I'm listening to how dynamic this track is. And, you know, it begs the question, how many hours did you end up putting in piecing that thing together? Because, again, you've got all these shifts between different feels and these vocal harmonies that kind of carry a lot of that. How many hours? That's a really good question. Um, I suppose it's recordable on our digital uh, trail trail um, methods these days. I mean, many, 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 because uh, it just it's just been going on for so many months, you know. Yeah. And the piecemeal nature of it, you know, financially and then creatively, and um, you know, the heck I know, lots, lots of hours in in the studio. And so you've got your vocal harmonies and then it sounds like you've also pulled in some other folks to add some harmonies too is that correct oh there's fine musicians all over this record yeah i could go on <laughs> i mean Please adrian's do. the drummer adrian's a world-class drummer so he's on the drums yep and then uh this has greg davis on the guitar it's got wally smith on the um, oh greg davis the, yes um, and wally smith is like old friend and great musician and and they did the basic tracks with me, and then we got uh, Adrian had different ideas for this and that, and some other people. Santis Davis is a great percussionist. You know Santis. Yes, Santis. Yeah, he, yeah. Fishkin, David Fishkin, blowing some sax. Oh yeah. I don't know if you from, heard from, that track. He, yeah, he, David Fishkin's in um, West Philly Orchestra. Yes, oh, nice. Him. Yeah, and he plays flute on a couple tracks. And I had some uh, Hare Krishna devotees playing uh, flute and Kartals, the little handbells on the Hare Hare song. Yeah. And then they had to be there for that one. And um, uh, Fishkin's story was kind of funny. It's a different song, but um, we didn't play the backing tracks at all. We just, we said, react to the drums. And he did a track like that, and that was really fun. And then eventually he played a couple different takes with the song, <laughs> but that we kept we what we kept mostly was him just rah, squonking off of the uh, the drum hit and then the harmonies that you were asking about well constructed illusion are um Allison Hilly you know Alley Cat yep yep Dina Miranda fabulous singer she was playing a Dean and the Melatones for years at Bob and Barbara's and it's Adrian's wife and uh, they love singing with Rachel and they said we got to get Rachel so it's uh, I call them the Rad Singers because it's Rachel and Allie and Dina I like the word game <laughs> Rad beautiful. It. It's nice. Hamovich, Rachel Hamovich. So have you been um, actively playing out? So I know you, you, you teach guitar lessons in Narberth during the day. Um, what's it been like? I, I know you've done a few, uh, say, like Facebook Live you know, performances, but have you? And, and I think, well, there was one time we played it right out front of the guitar store in Narberth. Right that was front. awesome. Yeah. In the September of uh, That was 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. That was an outside live gig and it was kind of quietish with Adrian. Yeah. And, uh, some and of the thank you yeah. so much, by the way. Cause yeah. That, that was, was super like, fun. That was like the gig of the season. Oh you know? my God. Sure. Yeah. Um, a handful of gigs. I, um, sometimes I play in a band called Steal Your Peach, which, um, they do Almond Brothers, Grateful Dead set list, ping pong set list. And so I've filled in the bass slot in that band several times. And that's always really good fun. We had a gig in media the Friday after Thanksgiving, which was, uh, full of people digging those tunes and we were jamming them out six piece band two drummers and all all that stuff and then before that i did a recording which isn't really a gig but it sort of is with boris garcia that's a band i, I was playing with for some time and they're very grateful dead influence but they're kind of bluegrassy and very songwritery and uh kind of psychedelic 
And they were able to get on the drums, um, the drummer from Fairport Convention, who played with Jethro Tull and recorded with XTC. And, you know, he's been, his career is 50 years or whatever. So, and I worked with Dave Maddox. So drummer's drummer would be like, oh my God. And that was super fun. Very cool. So that's something I did uh, in November. Do you have anything coming up in the new year? Any gigs you know of off the top of your head yet? These are fabulous questions. Do I? No, I don't at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll probably do it superstar again. I hadn't really, you know, thought about it till the new year and then sure. yeah. see if I can do that again. And, uh, but you did mention CD release party and, uh, you know, that's as far as it's gotten like, all right, you're actually going to finish this and you're actually going to press it. And then what? So, yeah. Well, we'll keep be, our eyes out for yes, that <laughs> to be announced. So focusing on the album, that's focusing on the album. I have a website called EJ Simpson music. You can look at those sorts of things. Yeah. Do you have, you don't, are you streaming through like Apple Music or Spotify or anything? Not at the moment. That's, that's going to be the how do I promote this new album um, meeting that we're going to have as soon as we stop the microphones. <laughs> um, you know, how to, how to get the music out to uh, the ears that will love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's thankfully not as hard as you might think, cool. but really looking forward to it. I mean, the tunes are, from what you've shared with me sound really awesome and there's always an audience for ej simpson <laughs> definitely, definitely yay well thank you so much for being with us uh, it was me. really nice talking with you thanks for coming in and sharing your music with us and we will keep our eyes out for that that new cd number three to be announced title <laughs> coming up in the new year thanks okay, again wonderful. for being here nice chatting with you both all right everybody well thanks so much for listening and uh, we hope you have a really wonderful happy holiday and new year we won't be back till 2022 eric Woohoo! <laughs> so tune in on the second and fourth tuesdays of the month starting january 2022 we'll be back for more what do you know about that <laughs>